Ah, nice. It's a nice night. We've got a nice crackling fire in the room. Of course, there's no place to vent the fire, so we're all gonna die soon. We're taking this whole building down with us. I should have never lit this fire, but it was just a little bit too cold. It is the 8th of December, 2023. And tonight, we are going to have a, a few things going on. Now in the first, maybe at least a half hour, I just wanted them to come by. Uh, my mom and Tony are here. Talk to them in just a second. And then after that, I think uh, with the, with whatever time we have left in the first half, which should be, I don't know, I don't know what, what we're going to have, but at some point tonight, we got to talk about a little bit of last night, because since last night, there's been a major development in the debunking of the Flight 370 video, the video itself. Obviously, there's no real answers about the disappearance of the plane, and uh, other really great things have popped up along the way with the... Uh, the uh, MH370X uh, investigation that Ashton Forbes has done, but we've come to the end of the road on this one. And of course, that would happen the day after we have. I waited, you know, I saw this going on since like the uh, the, the summertime. I said, like, you know, let's, let's wait this, let's let this thing play out. Let's watch all the details pile up. Let's watch how uh, they they handle uh, wave after wave after de uh, of debunking attempts. And then just when I thought that it was unimpeachable enough to talk about it <laughs> hours later. <laughs> so um, either way, it made for wonderful talk last night. And uh, but I'm going to read both statements. The first, the statement from Kim.com about it. And then then Ashton's statement as he responded to Kim.com and pretty much admitted that, yes, this is uh, this is a big big thing. I, you know what I wish would have been debunked this week? Ben Davidson. Because ever since Wednesday night, I've been thinking about uh, my house under 300 feet of water in 25 years from now. And the earth 90 degrees to its left. Or forward. Tipping forward and all that. Oh man. I, that's what's really been bothering me. As far as teleportation and everything else, maybe uh, it's been the end of the road with the 370 uh, subject for now, but that doesn't mean that the technology's not out there. All right, so that's all. We'll talk about that in detail in a little bit. And um, and yeah, so let's let's welcome to the show. It's good to have them back. First, Tony, how are you, Tony? Okay, f fine, Frank. Hey, uh, Tony, do you think that uh, the Earth is going to tip over in uh, in about 20, 20 years or so? And you think we're going to rotate out of orbit and all that stuff? Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'll be around, so hey, I couldn't care one way or the other. I got to say, you know, that's a great way of looking looking at things. And um, But I'm happy. You know, last time you were here, you said you'd, that you'd be back for the Christmas season, God willing, if God wants. And uh, you were here for, uh, we, were, we had you on the, the books for Tony Black Friday. And uh, the day of, mom calls me up and says, uh, Tony fell and he has a cold. He can't come in. I said, oh, I guess God doesn't want him to come in That's tonight. Right. That was last week. Today. Yeah, gee, that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Man, that's so right. that's that's the, well, but I'm happy to have you here. Mom, how you doing? I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's feeling well? Yep. So you sure? Yeah. 
You guys, everybody's getting me very nervous these days. Why? <laughs> I don't know. T Tony, t uh, my mom said that you actually thought that you might have had a cold again today. Yeah. Yeah, so what happened with that? <laughs> I still got it. Well, what the hell? You well, you I know don't what? hear it. I usually know when you have a cold. All right. Well, either way, I'm happy you guys are, are back. And uh, and what are your what's your outlook on, on the rest of the winter? You happy? This is your is this your 93rd or your 94th? No. Uh, I'm 90. I was 93. I'll be going on 94. But when, well, when's your birthday, though? June the 11th. Okay, okay. So this is your. No, so this is your 94th. Uh, Christmas. Your 94th Christmas, though. If God wants, why not? Yeah. Oh, no, it is. It is your 94th. Oh, oh yeah, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Still got a couple of weeks to go. Well, you better stop saying. You better stop saying that. <laughs> anyway, it's great to have you guys in and uh i had a couple of things i want to do with you um i had i had something that i've been asking people a while now that i knew that you'd be you'd be ready for and um and the first thing i wanted to ask you was uh about your your your, your fighting days oh okay you know i'm sh I, uh, can i say something i wanted to bring some pictures today but i says no i won't bring it uh, daily news you brought them all. No, well, why? What daily news? No, no, no. When I was boxing, I was in the daily news. I never saw any clippings of him during his boxing. No, no, day. that's what I'm saying. I wanted to bring him tonight, but I says, ah, nah, I, says, I won't he bring him. He knows word for word what was in the paper. You can tell him. He'll, he'll say. Word yeah, but for I, word. I. But if he's got the clippings, I'd love to see that. I have. Let me put it this way. I was 16 years old. Uh huh. And uh, on a day, I says, let me go into the Golden Gloves. I was training up in Bobby Gleason's gym, and the night before, I got a bloody nose, okay? I wish I would have brought the pictures if I'd have known. This is all on the Daily News, a big picture. And uh, I went in, I, I, the night before in Gleason's gym, sparring, I got a bloody nose. So now, next day we're going to St. Nicholas Arena, Golden Gloves. I was 16 years old. Mm. I seen this guy that I was going to fight in the back before we went into the ring. I said, Marona, I'm fighting a man. This guy's going to kill me, right? So we get into the ring, and before you know it, I'm boxing the hell out of him. Left jab, left hook, left jab, left hook. I wish I, I wish I brought the papers. I wanted to bring it to you. Big picture, daily news. So what do you, you have? You must have it. This is the original papers. This is, we're talking. Well, what, I, what year? I, I what got year? It, I got it home. I what got it what home. year is it? What we? Uh, nineteen forty-seven. Okay. But so then I then I I'll, I'll go through it, and uh, I said, my lord, this guy's gonna kill me. I was fighting a man. Yeah. I was sixteen years old. This guy was about 24, 20, something like that. So we get in the ring. Oh, let me tell you, night before. I get a bloody nose. You got that, but wait a second. Wait, wait. How many rounds did you go with him? I went the whole three rounds. In the Golden Gloves, is three rounds. Uh, three, two. Wait, uh, I think there's three three-minute rounds. Mm. In the amateurs, it's five two-minute rounds. But Golden Gloves was three two-minute rounds. Three whatever. And uh, when the bell rang. I stopped boxing him. I'm jabbing him, left hook him, leg jab. I'm really giving it to him. So now comes the second round. Near the end of the, uh, near the end of the second round, my nose starts to bleed. But I mean, the blood was coming down. Between the smoke in the arena and the lights and the bleeding, I couldn't breathe. Well, 
He's got a picture over there. I could give you, I could read it. I could tell you what it says. Word for word. Word for word. They, uh, they may not be finished boxers, but they're certainly fighters. It's not unusual for a lad like Lonnie Moss, that was his name, to get up off the canvas and belabor the boy who had sent him spinning. I was winning until my nose started to bleed. Then there's a, there's a picture where I'm up like this and he's coming up with it, but I never got hit with it, the bell rang. But I lost that fight. So my trainer, where he was a very good fighter in, the, in his day, he says, I want you to go inside and wish that fellow luck. But he did it for a reason. I went in to wish him luck and you should have seen his face. All black and blue blotches, all that. I, I really worked him over good. This is the guy Lonnie? This is the guy Lonnie Moss. His uh-huh. name was Lonnie Lamoss. All I got was a little something on the nose. I didn't get nothing. All right? Now, this was a, I was a featherweight, 126 pounds. Now, the following year, which I trained, I trained for it. There's a picture in the Daily News that we're getting examined. I'm, I'm in the picture. I, I should have brought it. And uh, my trainer says to me, if you come in as a featherweight, 126 pounds, you're going to go in. Anything over that, you're too small. I get on the scale, I'm 132 pounds. Now they put you in the lightweight. My trainer says, no, you're too small. He says, you can meet a guy six feet tall. So what did you, you have to go to the sauna, sweat it out for an hour? No, no, no. He didn't make me go in that year. He says, no, you're not going to go in because you can meet a guy six feet tall as a lightweight. Yeah, yeah. Then I fought in the amateurs. We used to fight at Jamaica Arena. They used to give you wristwatches. And uh, Dennis James, the announcer, he says, watch this boy. He's going to go a long way. He's another Willie Pep. Willie Pep was a featherweight champion. Very good boxer. Now, now we go into it. So now I'm fighting a couple of rounds in the amateurs. I come home one night, my eyes like this. My mother said, look, she opened up the door when she said, what are you doing? I don't want you to fight. What's the matter with you? Well, I had a few more fights. My father put a stop to it. He told my trainer, he says, Tony, his name was Tony Brescia. He says, Tony, he says, I don't want him to fight. If they would have said to me, go ahead, this is what you want. Go ahead. It would have made me feel good. But he, my father put a stop to it. He told he told the trainer, he says, I don't want him to fight. That's it. I can imagine. You know what? I, I, I'm sure at the time it probably it was probably a, a little bit of a blow to you because you, you love doing it. But I you, loved you, it. I, but you never know what kind, what, what kind of pain down the line they might, might have saved you. The, the most, well, what can I, it's true, you know, the fight game, it's, uh, you can get one shot, that's it. No, I know. There's and a lot, there's a lot of them that are in real bad shape and, uh, in the even, old man home. This evening when I was, we used to, uh, after school, we used to, uh, they had recreation in the school. And I used to box every day with somebody. And then I took the, that was going to the gym. Bobby Gleason's gym when it was up the Bronx, then he went downtown. And I used to, I used to box with the pros. I could I can name you bo- the the fighters that I used, I used to box with, you know. They and, were, they were, any recognizable anything that anybody that we would know? Uh, well, let me put it this way: I used to fight in the, uh, I was boxing the gym where there was uh, Jake Lamotta used to train, hmm. Tammy Mariello used to train, and uh, I used to box with Willie Beltran, Johnny Moran, Luke Cassiano. They were all pro, pro, pro guys. I used to box with them. I used to spar with them in the in the thing. Now, well, let me ask you something. Because it's we're getting up on Christmas time, 
Were, did you ever have any any uh, events or any any uh, any anything like that around the holidays where you're you're fighting in a room? There's and, and it's like coming up on Christmas and there's. Oh no! no you ever have no. to fight for like the the Christmas turkey as a as a uh, a, a, a trophy? No, it was like no, that? no, no. It was, they used to give wristwatches. Okay. New York Gates. You never, you never won a turkey for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it never got enough fight. Anyway. No. Uh, See, but they, they used to, in the amateurs, used to fight five two-minute rounds. And then, like the New York AC, downtown AC, they used to give Boulevard watches. Very oh. good watches. But in the other places, Jamaica Arena, they used to give you, <laughs> they used to give you a, a court. The watch was, the, that was the name of it, C-O-R-T, almost like my name. And that used to last about a week, and that was it. So, but wait a second. In, in all those years that you were doing this stuff and you were winning, you know, watches or having little, little, uh, uh, you know, little victories, something mementos for the effort. Did you ever? Is there anything from that era of you boxing that you have physically kept other than the newspaper clippings? No, no. So no. you don't have the watch anymore. No, the, 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 uh, see, when you're with a trainer, the third, the third, the third fight, he gets the watch. Okay. So I used to have a couple of them. Then most, it's like I says, uh, in Jamaica reading, they used to give you the, the name of the watch was a court. It used to last a week, and then you had to throw it away. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. A disposable watch? That was the New York AC and downtown AC. They used to give you Boulevard watches. They were good. Right. But Jamaica Arena, they used to give you a court, C-O-R-T. Do you remember what kind of cologne you used to use back then? I don't think I needed cologne. I was sweet. No, it just just had that that that, that mu you had just the natural musk. That's that's just what it was. Nah, I used to put the uh, what's uh, the old after spice after old spice. Yeah. Sea breeze. No old spice. <laughs> I remember the old spice. Mom, what was the first perfume you ever bought for yourself? Heaven scent. Heaven scent. Wore heaven scent for years. Is that is that heaven s c e n t no. or s e n t? No, they have heaven scent now. S c e n t. It's heaven scent. Oh, okay. I thought you said Anazette. Oh, yeah, I used to put Anazette <laughs> yeah, on me every yeah. every night. A little Anazette, so I smell Kalina like... Rubenstein's. <laughs> that since was... I was a teenager into my 20s. I stopped wearing it when I started Gen Ray. Okay, then, then what'd you go to? You went from Heaven Sent to what? Mm. Jupe? No. Is that when it came in? No. That was the late 90s, I guess. I I did she's been She's and... been wearing hoop or jupe since... Jupe, it's jupe. <laughs> forever. Um, as long as I know it. Regine, I wore for a while, a couple of years. What What about you, Tony? You 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 wear English leather? No. Brute? No. no. <laughs> I used to wear brute. No, no. That was a seventies thing. Seventies, eighties. My brother Charlie used to use that stuff too. Oh, yeah? but, uh, what brute? He used to use the yeah brute. He was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that. Hey, you know what? Since we're talking about fighting now, uh, here's a question that I've been asking a lot of uh, a lot of people on the show recently. Uh, be honest with yourself. If you if you had to if 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 you had to fight a pack of third graders. Oh, here we go. If you my mom watches the show from time to time, so she's probably heard me bring this up before. <laughs> but um, let, eight, you know, a third grader is an eight-year-old. About that. Now think about your grandchildren at eight years old. You know how strong they are. You know their physical capability. You've watched them play baseball. Let's get an average eight-year-old. Well, let me tell you something. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Then you can tell me anything. Think about your now. Think about you in your fighting prime, 
and I want you to think about if you were attacked by a a, a group of eight-year-olds, how many do you think you could take out before it was just one too many? Well, let me put it this way to you. If I had to fight a bunch of kids like that, I'm not going to box. I'm going to punch. I'm going to kick. I'm going to bite. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So That's how many? It. So how? If you had to defend yourself, defend your life from these kids, how how, how many eight-year-olds do you think you can fend off? <laughs> At least about four. Four? <laughs> Why not four or five? Maybe. Four, five? Why not? You start throwing punches. <laughs> you ever fight a? I, I was thinking. Uh, I was talk, wait, wait. Let me get one second. Are you talking about if I was eight years old? No, no. You are at the top of your fighting game. You're yeah. an adult, but you're getting, but you're getting harassed and uh, attacked by a pack of eight-year-olds. So when think about you when you were at the top of your game when you're fighting at uh, at Gleason's gym, how I you have to take out at least twenty-five, <laughs> don't you think? At least twenty-five. I would have started throwing punches, throwing kicks. I'm sure I would have took care of myself. Yeah, if, if if you if you if you worked up Lonnie, what's his name's face like that? I, I don't I don't think that I think you'd be able to take out more than five eight-year-olds. Well, uh, yeah. well, you know, Aurora almost got me. In the, I, I, you in know, the face. sometimes I wonder. The, the three-year-old almost got me in the face with a plastic bat when I wasn't paying attention for one second. She's so. crazy. I often wonder if this man is. <laughs> If this fellow, I often wonder if this fellow's still alive. Who? This fellow that I that I fought in the Golden Gloves. What's his name again? His name was Lonnie Moss. Hold on. L O N N I E. Yeah, but what was his real name? M O S S. That was Lonnie Moss. M O S S. Lonnie was a nickname. He was he was older than me. Was he Golden Gloves? Golden Gloves, 1947, March 7th. No, January 17th, March. Yes. 1947. Yeah. Hold on. Well, let's see here. Uh, Lonnie Moss, Golden Gloves. You won a couple of fights after that, too. Oh, yeah? I want to see. Lonnie Moss, Golden Gloves. Box. Jeez, what, what the hell is this? My delete key just popped off of my... Uh, just just popped off of my, my keyboard. What the hell? Golden Gloves, Boxer... New York. Let's just see what pumps, uh, pops back. Trying to find a Golden Gloves archive. Uh, that's 1960 to 1997. You're talking about the 40s, right? 1947, January 17th. Golden Gloves, 1947. <laughs> Somebody wrote, "Did Tony sing at Connie Corleone's wedding?" <laughs> did you Did you sing at the Corleone wedding? <laughs> Somebody in the chat room said, "Did Tony sing at Connie Corleone's wedding?" You <laughs> sing a Tarantella. No, okay. Well, I can't find him right now. Hey, you know what we're gonna do? Since since you guys are on, you're on for a little while, a little while longer, I'm gonna put the, uh, the I'm gonna open up the lines. Anybody wants to call up and ask Tony or my mom a question? It's Christmas time. Let's keep it light. Uh, and then you know when they leave in a few minutes, we're gonna we're just gonna go on to a couple other things. We have another call in the second half of the show, and it's gonna be uh, riddled with your calls. But call in right now if you wanna you wanna get on and ask my mom or Tony a question. Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. And uh, it's Friday the night. <laughs> the op the opening scene of The Godfather at the wedding. He's seen it a million times. He knows. I you know, know. <laughs> so there's that. So so Tony says, uh, yeah, I don't know. He probably a, he probably would would lay waste to quite a few third graders. Um, and, and at this time of the year, Tony, when there's a lot of Christmas 
um, Christmas stuff on the on the television, movies, uh, songs. What are the ones that you like the most? White Christmas. White Christmas is your favorite. What movie or song? Both. The movie and the song. Bing Crosby uh, was in the movie White Christmas. Uh, yeah, Jingle Bells. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Who the hell cares? I love that song. It's so touching. Jingle Bells. <laughs> Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells really just gets me. That's very, very emotional for me. You know, there's probably somebody out there who does cry to Jingle Bells. I don't think so. It's, there's, there's some. Unless it's connected to some kind of memory. Probably yes. That's Pro- a, that's. I was a kid when we started singing that. I never heard it no more. <laughs> when was the last time you sang Jingle Bells? Seriously. Say that again. When was the last time you sang it? It has to be a memory thing. Do you? Th- okay. There's a question for the night. Do you think that anybody has ever unironically? Or without it being tied to some kind of a, uh, a childhood memory, cried when they heard Jingle Bells. I, I, it would be hard for me to imagine it, but I'm sure that there's somebody emotionally unstable enough to do it. I, mean, uh, I, th- I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frankie, getting, getting back to a few things. Yes. You know, I came from uh, a large family, mm. and my brother Benny, God bless him, I was a kid, he bought me a fire chief car. Is it one of those cars that you can actually sit in and drive yes, with pedals? Y- yes, yes, I have one, a fire chief. And then another Christmas, he bought me a Tommy gun. <laughs> That's when we can have guns and... <laughs> At that time, no, <laughs> under the Christmas tree, it was a Tommy gun. <laughs> I was a kid. Hey, did you ever hear... I mean, you're living in New York City when still uh, from... from, I was, from I was born in East Harlem. Right, right. I but, was there. I got out of there when I was what? I got out of there in 1960. But still, wh- all the times that you've come on to talk about growing up in Harlem, uh, you know, all throughout the, the 30s. East Harlem. Okay, East Harlem. All throughout the, the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, you What you've described sounds like almost a tight-knit suburban kind of a community, but in in the city that it was that kind of stable it, you everybody was very familiar with each other it was it was really nice um now it's a little bit more of a tumultuous place people know each other a little bit less there's a lot more crime did you ever hear uh firearms did you ever hear guns being you know fired and or like it was there any kind of a uh wait a while i'm not going to mention no names okay here we go. There was a, no, 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 no. This I, as God as, as God is my judge. Okay. I lived on 20th Street. Yeah. And there was a little dis- disruption one day with two fellas. They argued this and all that. Were they connected? And I'm okay. not saying. Only were they okay. And, so, uh, so they so they're, so they're mobsters. Okay, I'm, go ahead. I, I'm not saying, but anyway, some I can't say because some people some, just don't want to They're not around. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, <laughs> there was a, a little scrimmage during the day. There was a, I think they were putting up the banner board for the, for the, for the, for the boys. You know, this is World War Two. Well, yeah. And they were putting up the banner boards uh, with all the names, the, the, the keepers that said. Yeah. And this was across the street from me. Oh, <laughs> there was a little scrimmage with certain people. They had it out. And uh, it was over. <laughs> One guy took a little beating, see? So what does this guy do? He puts a gun in his pocket, and he goes looking for the guy. 
He sees the, the guy's wife, he says, I'm not mentioning names. He has his so-and-so home, uh, no, he's not. And this guy that got the, the beaten, had the gun in his pocket. And, Who beat him up? No, uh, not even mentioned talking. And uh, he went looking for him, so he asked his wife, he says, is so-and-so home? He says, no, no. So now it's nighttime. And he's just stalking, he's just no, wait, stalking wait, wait, the, wait, the building no, now? Wait, 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 wait. Now, the guy who had the gun in his pocket lived across the street from me. You, you saw the block. Mm -hmm. he, he lived across the street, same level. And the guy that, the, the, the guy that got hit, he, he, was, he was a little drunk or something like that, and the other guy was sober, and he, he waked him over a little bit. And uh, <laughs> it went at, at night, this fella, lived across the street from me, and the other guy who gave him like the, the shellac and a little bit because he was drunk, he's downstairs on the side near the candy store, and he's starting in again. Now this is at night. So the people that he had the argument with lived across the street from me. So the wife got out the window, she called him by name, she says, didn't you have enough, why don't you stop? All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. The guy across the way takes three shots at this guy. Well, he missed him. But all of a sudden, she pulled on the shades, she shut the window, the cops come down the block, they go in with the searchlight, they couldn't find anybody. But then they straightened it out right away. They, they became friends. She, she, this is what happens. So, okay, wait, wait, so, so he, he took the guy that got beat. No, 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 he didn't kill nobody. I know, no, I'm nobody. just saying, but I, I want to get this right. The guy that got beat up, he was looking for the guy that beat him. Yeah, but he had a few drinks or right. something like that. He's so waiting that, around. He couldn't find him. Finally, he comes home, and at night, he finds him in the middle of the street, and he takes three shots. They all miss. And then, but well, eventually. No, wait, 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 wait a while. The candy store, he, this, this fellow lived across his way from me. And uh, there was the candy store down at the corner, and the guy who was. Uh, did him wrong, he needed a candy store. So the guy across the street from me, straight ahead, the wife got out, she says, didn't you have enough? She says, why don't you stop? Yeah, this is the wife of the guy that got his ass beat. Yeah. Right, okay. The guy who got beat. And uh, she opened up the window, and they lived right across the street from me. I get you, I get you. Hey, but so she says to the guy, she says, didn't you have enough? She says, why don't you stop? First of all, so this, is, this would be a lot easier to follow the story if you can say somebody's first name. Give him a fake one. No way. Okay, no, no way. Say no way. Just I, say Pete and Paul. No way. I'm not mentioning No, no, no even names. the fake names will get me in trouble. No names. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm just okay, saying. Just, just no names, that's it. For, I was just wow. saying, for the sake of the story, you can make just a. All right, gotcha. I know what I'm doing. But either way, but either way, they had they they became well, anyway, friends. They became friends, though. You're saying. Yeah. Well, later on, it, then the, well, people got in between. They patched it all up. Okay. But uh, what I'm trying to bring out is, <laughs> the wife turned around. She says, "Didn't you have enough? Why don't you stop?" All of a sudden, boom, 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 three shots. I'm living over here, straight ahead. The house right across the street. But then later on, they patched it up. Everything was... Uh, I'm happy to hear it. Everything was patched up. People got in between. Good people, and they... And they didn't get the cops involved. Nobody ratted. 
See, they, pa- they patched it up. See, you don't need the cops. There's a, there's, yeah, yeah. Well, we heard that too. We oh, they, they 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 came down the block. Well, yeah. Oh, they were going with the lights, but there was nobody. Nobody said. But nobody's gonna say anything to the cops once they're there. That that was it. That yeah. was it. See, that's, that's then, what then, then they patched every, everything. Patched up. They became friends. So, but yeah. that was my neighborhood. That was good. Uh, but let me tell you something. There was a lot of good people in that block, and during the depression, they helped out one another. Believe me when I tell you. And you, if uh, uh, like my father, God bless him, he had a city job. He worked for the city, but his credit was good all over. And at that time, you could have went to Sachs, bought something, and pay a dollar a week, or two dollars a week, whatever it was. Yeah. But that's the way it was in them days. And people, people used to help out one another. That is, uh, that's the way a, a city like that could survive a challenging time like that. You, can't, you don't have that cohesion now. Especially back then, there wasn't really welfare. There was just there was just everybody helping. No, they had uh, they had uh, there was they, some... had, they had home relief. Home, yeah, the home relief. There were a lot of people on home relief. Not like it is now, though. People thought my my people thought my family had money because my father had a city job. Yeah, he worked for the city, and uh, he was civil service, and then that was it. But don't forget, look at the family we had. My father couldn't sleep at night. He had ten children. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this: because you said that your brother got you a, um, he got you a, a a fire fire truck that you can actually drive. Uh, is that something that you kept inside, but you brought outside to drive? Uh, in the street? When I was a kid, I was all up and down the block. It, it, no batteries. This was the pedals. Yeah, you yeah. Know, at the fire chief, <laughs> uh, my brother Benny. He brought the he brought me the fire chief. He brought my brother Charlie a tricycle. You know the bicycle. And, uh, and they were good. They were good. And one Christmas, I, under the Christmas tree, I found a Tommy gun. You know, they used to have a, uh, used to, uh, the sparks used to come out. Oh, see, that's even that's even cooler. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. The, like, uh, <laughs> it was the Tommy gun. Then this was, uh, yeah, this was. Then you really like got shot because they were, thought it was real. Right. <laughs> Right. Oh God! What a disaster. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it, it's that just... was nice. <laughs> but let me. Okay. So one last question about this story. Then um, the the guy, uh, the two guys, they had a beef with each other, and it ended up with one trying to shoot the other. Uh, he didn't. He didn't hit the uh, the person he was aiming at, but he had to hit something. Where did those bullets? He hit. Like? The, he, hit the, he hit the window. Uh, yeah. Oh, it came uh, close. He hit the side of the window. So that's uh, that's that's dangerous stuff. He could have t- killed anybody. I saw the candy store. Yeah, well, that, well, it, well yeah. and then the buildings were across the street. Yeah, and uh, he hit the side. But then they just they patched it up, and they be big. They they were good friends after that. He could have killed somebody. That's right. My gosh. Well, anyway, listen. Um, I, I know that this is not how usually we, we do our shows. Usually we have a little bit more planned and stuff, but we missed out on Tony Black Friday, and I just wanted to make sure that you guys are here in studio for something, and I'm, I'm glad that we at least got a half hour with each other. So is there anything you want to say, both of you guys, for everybody, for, for Christmas? and Merry Christmas to all, and a Happy New Year, a healthy one to everybody. Yes, Merry Christmas. Go out and buy your, quite frankly, shirts and give them as presents and coffee. I uh, bought a couple of coffees. Did, 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 did Tony get a coffee? I'm going to give him a coffee. We, uh, I'm going to give him one. Okay. I, I think I know what some of your Christmas present is now, Tony. Nothing. Okay, he didn't even hear it. Good. Something. What happened? What's the matter? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. It, it, it's, it comes in handy sometimes. It's, sometimes it's handy when somebody that's right in front of you can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> I wasn't listening, though. Good, to you. good, good, good. What, what happened? Good. Just tune her out. 
tuner out. That's it. Uh, well, yeah. Well, thank you, Mom, for wearing that. Is it comfortable? Yeah, it is. That's the new. I have to go to check the uh, the box tomorrow. I think that Mike, some of my uh, shirts are in too. We should definitely get a Tony Black shirt made. <laughs> Tony, we, we, you, we, oh yeah, we gotta put your face on a shirt. Are you kidding? <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, there's there's people who would buy it. I bet you any money. And look, not. quite frankly, but your face would be on it. Oh, oh, wait a second. Will I get any cash from it? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you, Tony woke up. You know, you know. hold on a second. You said that you have a, uh, the, the newspaper clip. Do you have any, do you have any good photo of you lined up with your boxing gloves on? Anything in a fighting stance? you have anything that, no. nothing? There's no visual of you ever? There's this one picture. Ah, oh, damn. That would have been a perfect shirt. No, no. There was one picture where, uh. Like I told you, one picture of Daily News, we were getting weighed in. And uh, like I told you, my trainer says to me, if you come in at a featherweight, you're going in the, into the, the gloves. But is there a See, this time, the second time, see, the first time I went in, I went in on a day. I was, I, went in, I didn't train that much, but I went in on a day, my nose was I was beating the guy. Oh, I know, but I know that. Yeah. But I'm asking about f f visual, like an actual Nobody record. Nobody took a picture of you Never? In, in action? I'm telling you, that's... No, a, I'm not talking about the paper. I'm talking about this. Somebody... Do you have a photo of yourself? Oh, no, no, no. N really? Not one survived? No, no. Oh, that, no. See, see that right there? That would be a perfect T-shirt. No, I have You back in the day with some gloves on. No, I haven't got none. No. no well, I don't think so, no, no. Well, either way, this was a good time. Yeah. I'm glad you guys came by, and um, and I hope you stay. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know what the the plans are afterwards, Tony. Uh, uh, please send uh, send Christmas and New Year wishes to your whole family from all of us. Thank people you. people love when you come by. I just got a super chat that and came in here. Wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. People that are watching this show. Oh, and they yes. love it. They love it. We, here's here's one that just came in. Take a listen to this. This is from. Uh, hold on a second gotta wait for the uh the tab to load because i only here you go uh jay Britt says frank i love when tony black and your mom are on i'm actually sitting with my almost 94 year old mother uh, we listen uh, to everything that they have to say and uh we can always learn from them so we can always learn from uh the older generations right tell them his mother tell his mother i'm 93 tell him just oh yeah jay <laughs> uh tony says that he's 93 though so he's he's a little bit more he's a little younger than your mom. That means she's... When does she turn 94? She's your elder. You're going to have to, you know, she, you have to respect your elders. You'd have to respect uh, Jay Britz's mom. Well, I respect them. I respect a lot of people. Okay, there you go. God uh, bless it. God he, bless this woman. Here's another one. This is from Rob. It says, hey, Frank, I can't listen live for the whole show tonight, but I wanted to send a Merry Christmas wishes to you, your mom, and Tony. Another great year of shows and guests. Thank you for all the laughs and the cozy nights. You're the best. Merry Christmas. That's Merry for you guys. Christmas. Merry Christmas. There you go. Here's another one. Shotzi says, happy Friday with a visit from the wonderful Tony Black and mom. What a treat. Have a great weekend. So Thank you. There you go. Three. Three for the road. How do you like that? Merry Christmas and a healthy, happy new year, everyone. Yes. Merry Christmas to everybody. All right. So here's what I got to do. I've got to, uh, I'm going to leave, a, I'm going to put a little music video on. And we are going to uh, see out our guests. And when we come back, I'm going to do a little bit more with you guys and take some calls. And, and then after, uh, after the 8 o'clock break, we have another call coming in. But uh, all the best to you guys. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in a little bit, all right? 
Okay. All Thank right. You. Don't go anywhere, everybody. We'll be right back. Got it. No wonder my happy heart sings. Your love has given me wings. Penso che un sogno così non ritorna mai più. Mi dipingi con le mani una faccia di blu. E improvviso tenito dal vento rapito. Oh yeah. E cominciavo a volare nel cielo infinito. Tony Martin, I'll break his legs. Down each avenue. Disappearing two by two on an evening in Roma. Do they take it for espresso? Yeah, I guess so. On each lover's arm, a girl I wish I knew. Even in Roma, though they're grinning and mandolining in sunny. The beginning has just begun when the sun goes down. So please meet me in the plaza, near your casa. I am only one and one is much too few. On an evening in Roma, don't know what the country's coming to. Conspiracy. Frankie! Who's that nifty new dream boat that has the dollies flipping their lid? Somebody. It's Frankie! That's right. Join your Made in the Shade host of Quite Frankly. Quite Frankly streams live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Eastern, and everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Goose it on over. For everything else, it's Quite Frankly TV. Frankie! Now it's just you and me. Yeah, Matt's not here tonight. I, I'm sure that you have noticed. So I had a few things that we were going to do that was going to make this uh, almost too much material to work with. But now it's going to be a little bit more loose. And I'm taking your calls now. So we haven't done a pure open lines show in a little while now. And we often do it on Sundays. On Sundays for the, the, the sponsor streams that we do uh, late morning or early afternoon, whenever they usually shake out. That's, an, that's the, one of the greatest reasons to become a sponsor. I love those Sunday streams because I just launched them and I have no plan for it and it usually really works out nice. So I'm uh, inviting you all to give me a call, 914-200-0269. It was a very impressive week. 
here's a little bit I can do for with you. We got 20 minutes. First one up is from the New York Post. Oh my gosh, a man found mauled to death in the zoo enclosure after staff spotted a big cat with a shoe in its mouth. A man was found mauled to death inside of an enclosure uh, at a Pakistan zoo. This was not in the Bronx Zoo. After, as much as people in the Bronx try to get mauled by animals, this did not happen here. It happened in Pakistan. The grisly discovery was made at something I can't pronounce zoo in Punjab province on Wednesday. When they cleaned the zoo and the dens, they found the animal holding a shoe in its mouth. The staff got suspicious and then they found a body inside of the den. It's unclear what kind of big cat it was because Anwar used a word that meant tiger or leopard, both of which are believed to be housed at the zoo, although some local media outlets reported that it was a tiger. Rip this guy apart. Our assessment so far is that it appears to be a lunatic because a sensible person would not jump into the den. You can see the den is secured. There are stairs in the den. Maybe it jumped, he jumped from there. Yeah, a lunatic would do that. A lot of lunacy out there. A lot of lunacy. A McDonald's restaurant in the middle of nowhere sparks conspiracy theories. I really like the conspiracy theories about Mattress Firm. There's a big conspiracy theory about mattress firm, uh, especially since you can have multiple mattress firms within a quarter mile of each other. People think that they're a front for a gigantic um, nefarious operation. I have to get to the bottom of that one day um, and bring it out here and, and give it to you all. A McDonald's restaurant that only opened a week ago has already gone viral on social media because of its unusual location in rural Quebec, Canada, surrounded by farmland. McDonald's is one of the world's most recognizable brands, and one of the ways it's built its reputation was by opening restaurants in busy areas that all but guaranteed a certain number of potential customers. However, a newly opened location has been drawing attention for flipping that recipe on its head. The new McDonald's restaurant located at 8075 Avenue Marseille, or Marcel, Villanueve, in Saint-Francois, <laughs> it's surrounded by farmland. It's apparently not even connected to the power grid. Instead, functioning on a generator. That is weird. So what is the the theory? The TikToker short clip showcasing the bizarrely isolated McDonald's has been viewed tens of thousands of times, sparked several conspiracy theories and rumors online. Some believe that the McDonald's agreed to sell its franchise there because it knows something everybody else doesn't. The surrounding land is about to be sold to developers, and the whole area is about to be full of new houses. Basically, McDonald's got in early before the price of land blew up. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty logical. That's pretty logical. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they have enough money to build whenever the hell the, the crowds are already there. So I don't, that seems like you're getting ahead of the game. Well, maybe they want to be able to provide some cheap uh, gut-busting hamburgers to all the construction crews that are about to show up to develop the land. Maybe that's it. Oh, this will ring, this will be uh, annoyingly relative to a lot of people out there. Once hailed as China's youngest university student, prodigy. Now is just content with sitting around. 
Do you know somebody like this in your in your life? Someone with so much potential, but they have just not been stimulated properly or they're just given up on life for one reason or another? A former Chinese whiz kid who entered university at the age of 10 and was already PhD candidate in applied mathematics at 16, spends his days doing nothing and relies on his parents for money. Zhang Jingyang had always been destined for greatness. At just two and a half years old, he learned over a thousand Chinese characters within three months, and by age four, he was already in primary school. Born into a modest family, Zhang benefited from his father's tutelage and managed to skip several grades. And at six, he was already in the fifth grade. By nine, he was enrolled in the third grade of high school. When he was 10, he became China's youngest university student. But now, he's just not doing shit. <laughs> That's just what it comes down to. That's all. Not doing anything. So, what do you, what do you think about that? Uh, here is something that I would like to hear from people. I'm going to restart the phone lines because uh, it feels like there's a bottleneck again. But here's another little something from people. We talked about this on the air very briefly, but now there is an official thread pinned to the top of the forum, and here is what is on the official, quite frankly, Instagram right now. Left or right, if you had the choice in which direction would the stocking, of the stockings that you're going to hang, which direction would the stocking tips point? Okay? And you can pass this along to your family and friends. Uh, there's a lot of people that are saying, in, in this response, there's uh, there's quite a few. The Coffee Revolution. They said right. Left for Jimmy the Saint. Right. Right. Left. 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 Right. Left. Right. 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 Left. So it's pretty split down the middle. And I thought it would be interesting to see what's going on here because, of course, there's a little inherent political uh, thing that's that's built into it. But, you know, I'm as I'm, I'm almost as right wing as they come. And I think that it just looks aesthetically better, more pleasing to have that sock pointing to the left. It just looks better to me. I have no problem with it pointing to the right, especially if there is a design on it that needs to be on display but yeah so that's up there too go to the instagram and have some fun giving me your reasoning for all of that and you can also go on to the the forum and get in there too all right so here's the big news here's the big news of the day especially since we are we're really on the t this was just last night that we had ashton forbes on kim.com tweets this out at around 2 p.m today the MH370 videos are officially debunked. I offered a reward to debunk them, and Jonas, please contact me via direct message to get rewarded. I said I wanted the videos to be wrong. I want this to be fake. I don't want the US government to have this technology, and I'm very happy with this outcome. Now, I don't understand how, I don't understand how one means anything to the other. These videos could be fake, but I don't know how it it proves that the United States government doesn't have advanced technology, especially when it comes to uh, teleportation. We know that they've been working on on that for generations already. Uh, Anti-gravitic technology that it doesn't even have any uh, United States government um, roots. That doesn't even have any roots that are that are U.S. government. 
I mean, that is that, that is all overseas, all of it. And um, I don't know, there, there's a lot there. But as far as this particular video that we saw last night, we got we were given the full treatment when it came to Ashton Forbes and his presentations. Today, as I was coming on air, I think that uh, Ashton was just wrapping up on Bright Insight. He spent a half hour with Jimmy Corsetti talking about this and what had happened. And um, so really what Kim.com was re replying to was this guy, Jonas DeRoe. He provided, he provided uh, raw files in the description of this one YouTube video that shows pretty much how the, um, the footage that has been analyzed, especially since, uh, since August, was composite images. And um, and I now I, I guess it just it's undeniable at this point. Now here is what Ashton Forbes says. The MH370X statement follow-up. I've spoken with Kim.com and respect his advice. After having reviewed the raw images myself, I am prepared to make the following statement. The cloud images seem to be too close of a match to be coincidence. As a rational and logical person, I do not have a way to explain them matching to such a high degree. After talking with Jonas, I don't believe him to have any malintent. I can no longer claim that the videos are authentic due to, the, due to this evidence. Kim has agreed to make a payment to Jonas for supplying the assets that may have been used to fabricate the satellite video. Since no hoaxer has come forward and Jonas admitted that they did not hoax the videos, the bounty conditions have not been met, so the $150,000 will go unpaid, but the offer remains should this person come forward. The case remains unsolved. The body of evidence uncovered from this investigation uh, or investigating the videos is extensive, and the fire scenario still presents the best evidence-based story to date. So MH370X will not go away. We'll continue to seek the truth of what happened to the plane. We will learn the secrets of the advanced science and unknown to the public. We will render the old system obsolete. I will continue to stream and do everything, uh, uh, do every appearance that is requested of me. I'm always happy to talk about the case and discuss the hard truths. This community is special. Thank you to all the amazing people I've met on the journey as a normal person put into an extraordinary situation. I couldn't be more grateful and look forward to the next chapter that's ashton forbes just crazy that uh you know just last night and like i said before i waited months to let this story play out and just when i thought wow this looks as unimpeachable uh, as can be it was actually the last night of its uh, relevance to that to that degree, because really, what we talked about before, there's nobody has any clue where this uh, this plane went. To say that a year later, a flap showed up, uh, washed up on shore somewhere uh, in the Indian Ocean, and that is all is is crazy. It's just crazy. It's just one of those things where you know um, we get this a lot where you'll have an event that is so out of the ordinary and then all of a sudden every authority that has been put on the case to figure out and make sense of what has happened can just say uh, all the findings are inconclusive las vegas shooting for example and then eventually it just goes away now this had been gone out of the public consciousness for nearly a decade nearly a decade 
And then we have this. And the other thing that we learned last night that I thought was really incredible, uh, even though we know that the uh, that that surveillance goes far beyond everything that we have even been shown to this point, when Ashton was talking about that cyber system, that global globally connected uh, surveillance program, and, and how you know the entire planet is pretty much awash in infrared and cameras and it's all just being recorded at once and patched together. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that he did do, no doubt about it. Um, and then, of course, there is the, the, the one of the other downers there, too, is even though this type of technology and this kind of, this, uh, these scenarios and its application of the kind of technology here uh, have been talked about for many, many years, whenever something like this happens, it does kind of lend itself to, oh, well, there you go. There you go. It was a big, crazy, uh, you know, wild goose chase. And if it comes up with nothing at the end, all of a sudden it puts everything back a little bit. You know, uh, for I mean, Kim.com's relief tweet is actually a part of that. Uh, I'm so happy it's not real because I don't want the U.S. government to have that. No, no, I'm so I mean, it, it doesn't disprove that. But on the other hand, now it's just we go back to talking about testimony of the past there's always high jump there's always the nazi bell there's so much out there the one guy that i would love to bring on to talk about this one day and this would probably be the one uh one like another one of those can't miss episodes would be robert sepper so i really hope that he comes on one day and when he does we definitely have to talk about the vril we have to talk about the bell and we have to talk about high jump because he's done very sober reporting on all of those those subjects that come up on this show quite a lot so that's a uh, that's a big one that's a big one what do you have to say you can call in 914-200-0269 in the meantime here's what we're going to do we're jumping over we're taking our intermission right now we're jumping over to quite frankly.tv and we're going to end the um the week there together Pining through some calls and some other things here. There was the Tucker and Alex Jones and Alex Jones uh, episode that was released today. I would love to at least listen to the uh, the Brian Stelter bit with you. Um, and there's more. It's much more than that. I just want to hear your thoughts from the week. And of course, we'll get to your super chats as well. So I provided those links as always. They're in the description of the episode below, or they've been tweeted out and truthed and gabbed and all that. Hit that link to pilled.net. The direct link to watch their live is in that uh, in that information that I've uh, I put out. And then there's always quite frankly.tv. Come on over. It has still been a whirlwind of a five days that are coming to an end and it's good to do it in a little bit of a chill way i'm really appreciating the pace tonight so i'll see you over there and i'll uh i'll wrap to you then take care and thank you so much remember ron you are normal you are not weird you are five foot eleven your suit is soft and your shoes are grown up big boy shoes that's it pretend you're listening to music human music good check the phone normal style Activate conversation mode. Hello, you're busy. Okay, love you. Bye. Fickety fuck fuck. Come on, Ron. Be normal. You are not a bobblehead with a dry mouth. You are a big boy with a wet mouth.
activate head turn, activate toothless smile, good, very good. Activate hand gesture, uh, good, that's better. Remember, you are a Ron DeSantis. You aren't just normal, you're also totally not weird. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frankly, how dare you? And you know what else we have coming up now? In just a couple of minutes, we've got Tony Arterburn coming on from uh, from Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the uh, the financial markets. You might have seen that gold has hit an all-time high. People are racing to uh, pad their crypto portfolios again. Bitcoin has had a little bit of a uh, a spike there. You know, it's not a. Uh, I, as you all know, I'm not uh, I'm not all in on that, and I don't consciously invest. But at the same time, I notice these things, and I want to know exactly uh, what's been happening on that end. Let's take a uh, let's take a call. Two one six, you're on the air. How you doing? Two one six, you there? Hold on a second. No, no, I just tried to bring them on. Two one six. Oh damn. Yeah, there's something very weird happening. I just picked up two lo- two things, and they just blipped away. Uh. What the hell? Let's try this. I'm going to end this. Maybe that was the problem. Oh, hello. Caller, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Frank. How you doing? This is John. John, how are you? What's on your mind tonight? I'm doing well, sir. Doing well. So I had two things I wanted to share with you. Go ahead. Uh, The first was about uh, the MH370. Yeah. 
Okay, so I used to teach a gentleman who was the the owner of a software company that dealt with airlines. And all that stuff was going on with MH370. And I said to him, I'm like, you know what? I, I heard from Field McConnell and Abel Danger, this way back in the day here, I heard that uh, it's impossible to lose an aircraft because the engines have a satellite connection to servers so that they can track for maintenance purposes and for, uh, you know, to see when it's time for them to be maintained, you know. So, so basically they have a connection, a satellite connection, Every every second they're running, they are being the information is being uploaded. So there's no there's no effing way they don't know where the plane was. They knew where the plane was. It you know, you know rumor has it it landed on an island and all the people were taken off. I'm sure you've heard all those rumors. But when I asked the gentleman that he wouldn't say, he wouldn't say yes, <laughs> but he gave me a nod. And then he wouldn't touch. He wouldn't. He would not and, talk and about this it is, any further. And, and John, is this an international standard? Like we, here, we have it's it's Malaysia, a Malaysian airline uh, airliner, and then you know, we know that from uh, I don't know from from uh, continent to continent, there might be different, there might di- be different standards and all that stuff. Is this is this an international standard though that every plane? It's a it's a it's a manufacturer of the. Of the engine standard, okay, is the way is the way I always took it. So like Rolls Royce engines or whoever's making the engine for the jet that they have this connection. Uh, so that, you know, I mean, it's just it's just it's not, you know, it, it makes logical sense. All right, so then it's, of, so then since since you've been actually been able to have this conversation with somebody and uh, and pose pose the question uh did you did you at all go over what you think might be the, the I don't know, he the, I, 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 quite honestly after i asked him I, I was teaching him tennis okay and after i asked that question he because i went full conspino i was on a i was on a tirade i was like what the fuck is going on this is bullshit they know where that plane is i'm like is it true I'm like I'm like you're in you're in the field, you know. I knew that he owned the company. <laughs> okay, it was down in Florida, that's where he that's where he lived. Like, and, and I said to him, like, you know that, you know, there's supposedly a connection that you know that that lets them know if the every second that engine's running, they know where that sucker is. It's giving them GPS and all this. Stuff. And he, like I said, he wouldn't answer. He just gave me the nod, and then really he kind of he kind of disappeared. <laughs> After that, okay. and I'd known him for I'd known him for a few years, you know, so you know, and been so, teaching him, and he he definitely was scarce after that. See, I wonder, in one way or another, thank you for the call, John. In one way or another, it's really just a, a matter of was there a fire? Uh, is it really about the flight manifest and who is on the plane? Are we talking about those engineers, the semiconductor engineers, or how the how outlets like the Guardian were talking about one hundred aides? researchers that are that are on the uh on the flight but you know just where where do you go from there i don't know landed somewhere people are offloaded and then what put to work have they been working ever since all the people who weren't needed were they executed like what it's that that is just it gets bigger and it the the scenario gets bigger and bigger the more you start you know you, you start speculating and you wish that it was just 
for as horrible as a plane crash is where something goes unaccounted for, it's just gone, you wish that at least it was cut and dried so that there's some closure because this is we're getting to some Wizard of Oz kind of stuff at this point. And again, it had been forgotten, it's, at least for everybody who did not have someone that they knew personally on that plane for nearly a decade. So uh, we got a little bit of something over here from Sean Joe. Thank you, Donna Sar. Porpoiseful, thank you. Jay Jewel says, Lorraine loves the Frank coffee. They sent chocolate coffee beans, too. Speedballs for 100-year-olds. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad that Lorraine likes it. It's my favorite. I actually have a little bit in my uh, my thermos here because I didn't have too much earlier on in the day. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make myself one uh, multi-serve and take it with me. And it was warm until about 20 minutes ago. So... Very nice, with just a little bit of cream, too. It, it's very tasty. And Tempo 420. Thank you for that, my friend. Owen Schroyer has been released from uh, the Bureau of Prisons today. He put out a statement. That was nice to see. Wish him well. And uh, I'm sure he's going to be making the rounds, and I'm sure he's going to have a lot of stories, and this is going to really define him from here on, here on out. No doubt about it. Then I saw this in the... In the headlines, Japanese beach left covered in thousands of dead fish. Thought again about our call with Ben Davidson on Wednesday night. Thousands of thousands of tons, thousands of tons of dead fish have washed up on a beach in northern Japan, and nobody knows why. The haul, mostly sardines and some mackerel, washed ashore in uh, Hakodate, on the northernmost main island of Hokkaido on Thursday morning. It created a silver blanket stretching half a mile along the coastline. Locals said that they've never seen anything like it. Officials posted up a warning online urging people not to consume the fish after some bagged them up to eat or sell. My gosh, that's a lot. That is a lot. Takashi Fujioka a Hakodate Fisheries Research Institute researcher said he heard of similar phenomena before, but it was the first time he actually had seen it. One possible cause is that the school of fish was chased by a larger fish and became exhausted and was washed up by the waves. Do you think that this is in any way related to the activity of the sun? What were we talking about recently? Uh, I don't know if that's the case. Is it is it have anything to do with uh, solar solar uh, or wind farms? I should say. So a lot of relevant things popping up in or around what we've been doing, and uh, and now I'm going to go and to open up the lines to make sure that when Tony Arterburn comes on, he has a nice nice landing, nice landing strip to come on in and hang out with us for the first time in a while. Um, here is a little bit of the Alex Jones and Tucker thing. We're going to watch this a little bit more later. He talks about the New World Order. Here there are all the timestamps around 32, but it's the Brian Stelter thing that I think <laughs> that I think is really funny. The Brian Stelter demon video. We got to talk about that, and then we'll do that right after uh, we get off the line with Tony Arterburn. Now, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. 
Tony is a good friend of mine, good friend of the show. He's got his own. Uh, he's got his own show. He he sponsors and he helps bring his wonderful services to many people that you know, including Charlie Robinson, and um, and that's actually how I found Tony. It's been a while since he's back, been back on, but there's no better time to talk to him than when something in the world is getting topsy-turvy, and all of a sudden, gold is at the highest it's ever been. How the hell are you, Tony? It's good to see you again, Frank. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's great to have you on. And and uh, so, so you know, I'll just cut to the chase here. You are a very observant guy. You're always watching what's going on in the world. You, uh, for a number of reasons, you're just, you, you like talking about it, but you also deal in... Uh, in some services that are really great hedges for everyday people to try to preserve a little bit of the things that they build up in their life and not have it all completely wiped out by the the uh, the, the goings on of the the controllers out there. What is going on in the uh, in the economy, the global economy that's got you with your uh, that's got you uh, quirking your brow and uh, with your interest peaked? I know that gold is through the roof. People are uh, doubling down on crypto a little bit again. I see a, a, a jump in Bitcoin. Can you explain what's happening to us? Well, I'll do my best. I think what you're watching, uh, Frank, and it's really the death of a system. It's the death of a fiat currency system, which is global, it's systemic, it's in everything that we uh, transact in. And we have normalcy bias because we just think inflation's normal, uh, you know, things going up in price are normal. That's not normal. In a free market, you should have declining prices because there's a better way to make something. And because we have a currency that constantly loses value, because that's the way that it's made, it's made out of nothing. It's backed by nothing. Uh, Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971. Gold was $35 an ounce. By the end of 1979, it was close to $800 an ounce. Gold went up 2,000% in the 1970s. Is where you get the Nixon shock and inflation uh, Paul Volcker was the head of the Federal Reserve. He raised interest rates to the teens to try to curtail that inflation. And the Federal Reserve, uh, the central banks, have been at war with gold ever since, especially the United States. But something very interesting is happening right now. And you're watching the, you mentioned the price of gold breaking its all-time high. On Monday, uh, $2,135 an ounce. The previous all-time high, I think, was like 20, uh, 2,068. Mm. So it smashed its all-time high. And the reason is it's not because gold is going up, Frank. It's because the dollar is losing purchasing power. It's losing purchasing power because countries all around the world are dumping the dollar. This is what the financial networks are not going to tell you about uh, because they're looking at uh, the soft land. Have you heard the language, the soft landing? And, uh, you know, they've got inflation under control. I saw an article from CNBC uh, saying that uh, there's a study out that uh, people are saying, well, we've, we've got it under control and uh, more Americans are starting to see that prices are coming down. <laughs> well, there's some prices are coming down because the economy's faltering. Mm -hmm. uh, there, you know, less people can afford to buy. So, you know, there's simple supply and demand, but most of the, the new inflation, that's all, that's already in there. And, and we're never going to go back to uh, a, a dollar like we had two, three years ago. It's impossible. So, Really what you're seeing, Frank, is you're, you're seeing the death of a system. The dollar is declining in purchasing power. Countries around the world are, are abandoning the, the dollar and the petrodollar system, and gold is going up. And at the same time, central banks all around the world except one, 
There's only one central bank not buying gold, and that's the United States' Federal Reserve System. It's not buying gold because it's a war with gold. Uh, and I think the most alarming thing that most people don't know about is that the Chinese may actually have close to double the amount of gold holdings that the United States has. That's a little, little known fact that's been researched, and I, we can't prove it. But uh, you know, the Chinese buy gold off the books. They were secretly buying gold at the beginning of this century, and uh, they have sixty thousand gold mines. Frank, they don't they, they do not export any gold. The Chinese do not export gold. They keep all their gold within their boundaries. As a matter of fact, uh, if you ever uh, listen to the uh, author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, he uh, he found a gold mine in China. He had it funded. He had a bunch of partners. He was going to uh, about to do the exploration, and the Chinese government came in and nationalized it. So they're holding on to it, and I think this is the game, because the Dutch uh, recently put out a, a, a memorandum with their central bank looking to uh, go to another gold standard. So central banks around the world, record-breaking gold orders, there's something going on. And the financial networks think, you know, they asked Peter Schiff the other day, is this just the top of the gold market? And he said, no, this is the beginning. And I happened to take it just a step further. I, I think it's not just another bull market for gold, Frank. I think we're seeing the death of the fiat currency system in its current form. I'm not an alarmist saying that, you know, there's, the money's going to go to zero or something like that. I'm just saying this is the, the, the way of the future is going to be a reset in not only commodity prices, but how currency is transacted, if that makes any sense. It does. And I, I got to say, um, when you when you look at the, the state of the of the dollar, you're saying that every central bank in the in the world except the uh, the Fed is going and, and buying gold. It makes me wonder, is it really is they really just believe that that digital is next and that you don't really you don't even need anything then to back it that it's just going to it can keep up. I don't understand. I, I just don't understand that that much, and I do understand that as this gets more, this gets more and more um, out of control. That gold and silver is going to keep going up. But uh, wh- what do you what do you think? What the average person, if they're sitting on, you know, a a small hill of of coinage or bars or something like that, what do you say that they should be doing during the the hardest of times? Obviously, they're not. You're not really transacting with gold bars. What are you waiting for? Is my my big thing to have to have some mercury dimes to have something to be able to trade with. I understand that once you are uh, in an understanding with people that okay, this is of historic value. It's gold. It's silver. It's it's it's, it's copper. Um, I'll give you this. You give me some eggs. Whatever. But when you're talking about people diversifying their their savings and trying to save. What, at least a little bit of what they built up their lives in their with the, their labor. What are they waiting for when they have, let's say, I don't know, uh, fifty thousand dollars worth of physical gold, which is not a lot physically because it's worth so much it's going to go up. What are they waiting for with that? Are they waiting for what a, a new currency to to you know like what do you what do you see that is it just you're, you're sitting on it like a bunch of uh, it's like you're putting it in your nest and sitting on it. I always wonder about that too. What is the average person waiting for when they're stacking this stuff? Um, because it, uh, it it's very hard to transact in gold coins, you know. 
Well, I would say it's the same principle as a savings account, only better. You're not losing the purchasing power of what you save. I mean, gold and silver by nature are money. Gold and silver are money. And uh, <laughs> you used to have that quote from the bankster JP Morgan, gold and, sil gold and silver are money, everything else is credit. Well, that's not true. In our time, everything else is debt. So, you know, fiat currency is debt. When you buy a home, currency is created. It's new debt. Uh, when you swipe a credit card, currency is created. It's new debt. So the entire system is built off of debt and it's built off of fake. And so really just, you, you know, I think something uh, <laughs> Warren Buffett, he was a long time, just been a skeptic of buying gold and you know, he said, what am I going to do with it? It just sits there. Well, of course it does. And it houses the value. You can turn it into something else. Gold and silver are very liquid, Frank. And as a dealer, I guess I have a different view of it because I know, like, if if, if it's me, I, I want gold, gold coins, silver coins, silver bars over cash any day because I know how liquid it is. And so when I've got my gold, though, I'm out of the system. I'm, I'm housing it from losing purchasing power. And when I want to get back in the system, I just go liquid again. And I can cash it into the, you know, the fiat currency or whatever it is, uh, local currency. I can trade it. I can barter it. I just think it, gold and silver are a superior money. You mentioned crypto earlier. I'm a fan of crypto. I I was uh, part of the first some of the first Bitcoin ATMs in this country. I was buying Bitcoin at $360 a Bitcoin. Uh, I should have saved some of the Bitcoins. I I ended up you know stocking my ATM, but I'm a fan of crypto especially Bitcoin and decent, as long as it's decentralized, uh, which is Bitcoin really is the only truly decentralized coin. It doesn't have a CEO, it doesn't have a company or a country that it's linked to. Um, but it's outside of the fiat currency system, which is really what you ought to be exploring. You know, how, how can you, you quickly, safely transact outside of our current banking system? And I'm not telling you to not have a bank account, but having a bank account is very important. You can you, know, you pay your bills with it. I'm not telling you to shut that down, but a lot, millions of people are unbankable. So I, I, at the end of the day, gold and silver are liquid. Uh, if you understand how to transact in them, and if you ever have any questions, you can always uh, send something over to me at my website, and I'm happy to you know give you some advice on that. But gold and silver are liquid, Frank, and in, in my opinion. Uh, just as good as cash. Okay, so, not the, the, so you're talking about the about all of the the investing that's being done, in by central banks who see the writing on the wall, and I, I guess they have to because they're a part of the problem that we have right now. So um, I, I guess the real thing is that uh, America is just tr is self sacrificing, and everybody else is trying to stay afar. I, I don't know where it really all goes, but the one thing that we have seen recently is this election in Argentina with uh, with Javier Millet. And everybody uh, at first, at least uh, a good amount of people at first, were really impressed with what he had to say. Uh, I liked a lot of the, the, the interviews that we were listening to. I loved how he went after leftists and you know really uh at least on the surface identifying one of the biggest the biggest problems that we have culturally um in a uh in in a society that is dominated by so-called progressive thinking and ideology but when it comes down to going and and uh, putting the the rubber to the road the first thing that we hear is that yes yes we're, we're getting rid of the peso but he's not going to bricks 
to see what the, what's going on over there. He's not looking into crypto. He's not looking into uh, you know reestablishing the bank, building on a gold standard. He said he's going to ditch the peso and he's going to think about adopting U.S. dollars. And that just did not sound like a very sound option. So uh, what the hell did you, did you did you hear about that? And I have to imagine you had some some opinions. I'm very skeptical. Yeah. Whenever you get somebody that's the head of a of a, a nation that claims to be an anarcho-capitalist, which I'm pretty close to, I'm a populist. I definitely like uh, sound money, free markets. Uh, I like a constitutional uh, foreign policy of peace. I like prosperity, so I, I gravitate towards a lot of that ideology. But it is strange. You start thinking like, well, the peso and the Argentinian Central Bank was going to crash anyway. Do they want to blame it on some new movement? See, that doesn't work. You know, uh, nationalism doesn't work. You know, so I, do they want to throw it in that direction? I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about him, and I don't know enough about the election, but that does sound... I mean, why would you want to have, you know, more dealings in the U.S. dollar? And, I, you know, you can look and see, uh, Frank, the, the dollar is... The money velocity is, is declining rapidly. And what I mean by that, if you look in 2001... 75% uh, of all the global financial transactions went on in dollars. After the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and we put the sanctions on Russia and tightened the screws, uh, after that, the dollar fell to about 43% of global transactions. And of course, that happened over 20 years, 20 plus years, and it's declining rapidly. We have 40 different sanctions on 36 different countries. They want to get out of the dollar system. So the dollar is not where you, you would look to to go to the future. If you want to talk about the future, you mentioned BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. That's where you I would look to the future, and I'm not even advocating that. You know, They're talking about a, a BRICS currency uh, digitized, backed by gold. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we don't need governments for currency. We have a, an international gold standard. It's The spot gold price is pretty much the same all around the world, whether you're in Boston or Bangladesh, it's it's the price of gold is the price of gold. The price of silver is the price of silver, for the most part. It does fluctuate, and I think the Shanghai Exchange in China is a great example because they're starting to see the disparity between the price of paper gold versus actually sourcing physical gold. So that's something, that's another subject altogether, but the price of gold is a fixed price. The price of Bitcoin is a fixed price. It's recognized globally. I'm just, you know, I'm wondering why do we need these governments? And of course we need, they need us to accept that fact so they can control the money supply. Because they control the money supply, they control us. And really, it's not really the governments that control it. It's the uh, central banksters behind uh, their banking establishments. Um, what about you? You're talking about China and their practice of mining and, uh, and, and never exporting any of the gold that they produce in their country. I never really looked into domestic gold mining and production here in the United States. Do we have pretty rich gold uh, deposits in in the U.S.? We we you know the, the most I ever know about it is you know the the stories of the uh, of the the 1849 rush out there in California and everybody wanting to go and get uh, get rich and some people just panning for flecks of gold in the rivers and that's really it. But how how um, 
on an industrial scale, how much do we actually take out of the earth here on American soil? I don't know the tonnage, and it's hard to get permits anymore because of regulation. There's uh, production out of Alaska and Nevada. You know, in our hemisphere, there's a lot of production. Uh, Mexico is the largest uh, producer of silver in the world. Uh, so even in our hemisphere, uh, we are producing a lot. So uh, you know, the United States, though, we don't we don't import gold much anymore as, as far as the government. We stopped in the 1950s. It's kind of what I was talking about earlier with the Chinese. Uh, this isn't confirmed, but there's been a lot of research to go into how much how much gold do the Chinese have? There was a researcher out of Kitco, and I read this article a few weeks ago. I talked about it on the David Knight Show. And uh, this researcher found he started really sourcing the numbers going back to the beginning of the 21st century and looking at because China bought a lot of stuff off the books. There was, a, there was a lot of big buys even a couple of years ago, and they didn't want anybody to know that they were buying, which is kind of strange. Like, wouldn't you want to, to know that, <laughs> you know, with the world to know that you're buying gold and you're enriching yourself? No, because I think they were their goal was to surpass the holdings of the United States, which is about 8,000 or so tons. And the researcher on Kitco found that uh, there, there could be uh, possibly about 16,000 tons held by the Chinese government because they do not export. And we don't know what their uh, domestic gold mine production is. So it really is an open question. And when you find that the central banks around the world, which I think is the biggest story not being talked about, it's driving the gold price. I'll give you an example, Frank. It, in the 1970s, we had runaway inflation. Nixon took us off the gold standard. Again, it was $35 an ounce. We didn't have the gold to pay these countries that wanted to take, trade their dollars out in gold, so he closed the gold window. By the end of the 1970s, gold was close to $800 an ounce. It was like Again, it went up 2,000%. Well, you had this runaway inflation, so Paul Volcker, that was head of the Federal Reserve, they raised interest rates to the teens. So by 1980, if you wanted to, to purchase a home, you're looking at like a 14% mortgage rate. And that's how they brought down the inflation of the 1970s. So that's always been the trick. And this time, you have Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve. Frank, he's raised interest rates faster than any time in history. So yes, Paul Volcker took them to, to the teens, but it did it over a period of five or six years. Jerome Powell has raised rates faster than any time in history and it hasn't done anything to stop the price of gold from going up. And again, the price of gold is not necessarily going up. The dollar is losing purchasing power. That's why the U.S. doesn't buy gold. That's why the Fed doesn't buy it. It sees itself already as a holder. And if it, if it buys it, this is my opinion, if it buys it, it's going to drive the price up and the dollar competes with gold. It competes with It's at war with it. Um, we're watching something very historic, I think. Well, you're talking about you're talking about um, uh, Powell versus Volcker, and I I'm wondering about that. What are the you're saying that he Powell is raising the interest rates high, faster than uh, ever before in U.S. history? What what are the how explain like how fast and how high the rates have been going? Because for me, somebody who who really takes in this news at very very casual rates. It's not really the thing I go to uh, first and foremost as economic news, which is why I bring people like you on to talk about it. But from a, a casual perspective, it seems like every time the Fed announces that they're going to raise rates a quarter of a percent, everybody goes nuts. And meanwhile, you're talking about 
uh, in the 1970s, things going up to the teens. So I'm just like, how it, that is? It's such a dramatic difference, you know, 14% versus okay, we're gonna we're gonna raise it up three quarters of a percentage point. I would think that people would go nuts if they put it up to five. But where are we right now? Well, close to are we on this in the sixes or close to that or okay. higher? I mean, the mortgage rates are close to eight. So I think at the the standard basis point is in the, in the sixes. I believe. I, mean, I follow it based off of what they're raising. And I know that uh, we don't have a fractional reserve system anymore. I think it's another difference in our modern economy based off of, uh, well, I say modern, uh, in our time, based off of what it was in the 70s, which is completely different. When, when I'm talking about you know the creation of currency through debt, it didn't used to always be that way. There was lending against reserve systems, and now they don't even do They just took the wheels off. Nobody even blinks anymore so all the currencies created so it's a the reason why it affects the market so drastically now even with these small rate moves like you're talking about 25 basis points moving up a quarter it's just because everything is about liquidity and borrowing and access to that to that new currency mm. and whenever you raise rates it it slows the the lending rate it slows the liquidity down uh, because that's what this con economy survives off of, of course, and it drives prices because there's new currency, which creates uh, devaluation. So it's really, you know, it's a snake eating its own tail. There's no way, there's no way to get out of it. You, if you have an economy that falters a bit, you have to lower rates, which is what they're about to do. And it looks like that's going to happen closer to March, which is the the anticipated date. So I think in this first quarter of, of 2024, Frank, I think that you're going to have a lowering of rates to which is quantitative easing qe to goose the economy and again that's going to you're going to monetize the debt uh and the dollar is going to lose purchasing power and inflation continues and we're back to square one but that this is an election year coming up so it's really important that the the perception is that everything's okay but it's really not so and you're talking about the loss of purchasing power so so then let's talk about going forward because uh, here's another thing that I think anybody in my shoes has heard for a long time now. You, you mentioned Peter Schiff before. I mean, he's been giving everybody sound advice about diversifying your savings and and, uh, and getting into physical assets. That's what you talk about, um, that you've dedicated your life to here. Uh, but it, it is all in preparation to a doomsday event with the economy where the game is up and i have been hearing people reporting on the dollar is dead imminently for you know 25 years that i've been paying uh, attention to it and I, I understand that 25 years is uh is uh really not a lot of time in a in a, in a broader uh scale there but man how, how many more trick everybody every time that uh something like this happens we hear well the fed is officially out of tricks the bag of tricks is empty and then another, another five years goes by how much longer do you really think that uh this can really go on before there is a uh a unmitigated disaster i think it can go on for some time and there's always the chance for a, a black swan event but i think what you're really watching is the accelerating uh decline in purchasing power that i don't think we've seen in our lifetimes and i it's not going to be an overnight event this is a lot of talk lately about 
people have gone through the movie Home Alone when Kevin goes to the grocery store and, you know, he they see the items in his cart and they recalculate it and say, well, all those items would cost, you know, uh, 236% more today. Well, you know, what's happened just in the last four years is unprecedented. You have 80% of all the currency ever created was created in the last four years. I mean, that's unsustainable. We have, you know, when I was born, I was born in 1979, the debt of the U.S. was less than a trillion dollars. Well, it's 33 trillion and climbing rapidly. And you don't even have anybody, there's nobody fiscal hawks anymore in Congress even talking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So we have 130% of our debt, national debt, to gross to domestic product ratio. So 130, 130%. That's unsustainable. And there's no, there's again, there's no return to fiscal sanity. Nothing's going to be reined in. That's the all the only trick they have in the bag anymore is to is to print. That's what they're always going to go to, because we we have a currency that's not backed by anything. There's no accountability. That's that's their that's their plan. And yes, you will have periods like Jerome Powell raising interest rates, and I think they did that because of the world's reserve currency status of the dollar. That was not that was not for for domestic reasons. I think that was for international reasons. Um, but I'm I'm not an alarmist in the sense that it's going to be a doomsday. Tomorrow, I think what you're watching is just the slow erosion of your wealth. Because this isn't how the free market is supposed to act. You're not supposed to see increasing prices. If anything, you're supposed to see deflation. And that's what we had in the the 19th century, Frank. I mean, if you bought a pair of shoes in the days of George Washington, if you went to his inauguration, you bought a new outfit, that outfit would cost the same in 1902. We didn't have inflation because we had a bimetallic system, gold and silver. And that was our money. So we just get used to it in, in our in our time. So I'm not necessarily saying you're going to wake up and see a you know a 1929 scenario and it, you know it's Armageddon. It is possible. But I think what you really need to be worried about is kind of that boiling frog where you just you see your wealth evaporating. Anything that we do, we do more and more work, Frank, for less. And that's what's happening in our modern economy. And those at the very top are getting richer. And those of us in the middle that are paying the taxes and fighting the wars and keeping the lights on, we're losing we're losing our wealth, whatever wealth we have. And that's why I'm in the business that I'm in, because it at least gives you an exit ramp and a way to, you know, because gold and silver to me are, are energy. They're, they're storage units for your energy and your work. So I just, I encourage people to not to necessarily look at gold and silver as an investment, because I don't give investment advice, but as a way to preserve your purchasing power in the face of everything that's coming, which is going to be a further loss in that power to purchase. Yeah. And to be honest, that's the biggest reason why still to this day, I don't fully grasp why uh, people who, who detest the central bank fiat system uh, really enjoy outside of the privacy aspect of crypto. I I don't understand it. I've had people tell me uh, from time to time how, how blockchain technology can be used in 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 new different you know um, I I don't know systems that have nothing to do with actual buying things but are just really great uh, for I don't know one way or another proprietary technology and I think that's pretty cool but as far as a uh, a mode of trading when we're talking about again something that is not maybe a little bit more secure and decentralized but also has nothing of physical value to it, 
that you can't uh, actually hold in your hand. That always made me uh, a little bit uh, a little bit suspe- suspicious at first. And then when it became so much more and more popular with, with the last you know five or six years where we saw these crazy casino rallies were uh, with uh, with Bitcoin and all types of uh, even even those those meme coins going uh, going people getting uh, rich off of you know ridiculous coins just because of I don't know that uh, the kind of viral nature to them all and it just looks so volatile and I'm like well man if I want volatility I would just in, invest in the, the the United States dollar a little bit more uh, so I, I don't I don't get that like why do you why are you still a fan of crypto um, even when you can't hold it in your hand well and I'm painting a broad brush I like the technology of crypto uh, I don't hold many other tokens besides Bitcoin I started out in Bitcoin and I just came back to Bitcoin I've, I own Bitcoin ATMs I've since sold them the regulations are so steep I deal in Bitcoin in my shop. If you want to buy gold and silver with me, you can buy it with Bitcoin. I'm a big fan of it because of its story. Still a mystery. There's still some mystery to it. We don't know all the full story of who Satoshi Nakamoto was or if it's a group of people. But I do know that Bitcoin is a finite token. Only 21 million will ever be in existence. There's more and more adoption every single day. Um, and I, I get what you're saying that it's not. A, there's no physical representation of it. Uh, but I don't think Bitcoin can be stopped. I mean, I, I again, I'm not an evangelist for it, but I think that it'll be part of our f- five years from now, it will be around. I don't know what it's going to be doing, but I imagine the price will be higher than it is today. Mm-hmm. I imagine so. Just given the if there if the world doesn't end, I'm pretty sure that Bitcoin will have a trajectory up and to the right, and it's going to have some valleys, but that's where we're that's where we're headed, I believe. Um, as far as the entire crypto space, I have a, a podcast called the Wise Wolf Golden Crypto Show, and I just talk about the highlights of, of metals and everything outside of the monetary system that we know. You know, there's you know, you mentioned you know, there, there's so much volatility. Like, why don't I just invest in the dollar? I, I agree with that. You know, um, some of those coins are awful. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy I wouldn't buy meme coins. You know, I mean, obviously there's some stuff that went parabolic and people. We're able to retire off of it, and uh, good for them. Uh, but I'm more of a long-term. I buy stuff that's sound. Uh, right now, like I said, the only big, the only thing I'm buying, if if it's crypto space, is Bitcoin, and that may not last forever. Uh, but it is a space I still think it has room to grow. And there's, yeah, you get the Sam Bankman Frieds of the world and the FTXs, and you know they make things look pretty bad. But a lot of those people have like establishment ties. You wonder if they are they put out there to fail on purpose to to discredit, and then they say, "Oh well, look, we have this wonderful new token. It's called Fedcoin, you know." And uh, yeah, <laughs> you just give us your biometrics and you get your UBI and you sign up for it. And so I'm I am absolutely against central bank digital currencies. They're evil, and they will do nothing but contra- create a control grid uh, to enslave people around the world and i think they want to link it up to one central system either through the bis or the imf or both and so i'm against that i i i like decentralized everything and i go back to you know a question i ask in this in this interview is like why do we need governments for currency when i have worldwide standards for value and commodities and things that are easily li- uh made liquid or tradable right yeah i and uh and and, and honestly if there's it's just one of those things where I I'm always seeking new understanding of it, uh, I, and I don't 
I don't dismiss it at all. I know that uh, there's a lot of people who who find uh, it's a really great utility and a and a much better option than what we have in our wallets right now. So, um, you have done su- such great work for not only uh, me but everybody in this audience, helping me set up. Quite frankly, dot gold. That is all. That is all powered by Wise Wolf Gold and Silver, and uh, I, I just hope that people more and more are coming to you not only for their own personal preparation, but also just for, for you know, the holidays, uh, mementos, whatever the hell it is. I always put a, 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 an ounce of silver in every stocking that I stuff this, uh, this time of year, and I, I hope that keeps up, man. Um, if you have nothing else to say, I have one fun question for you. But uh, uh, to, to end on, but if you if you have anything else that you want to plug or anything going on for Christmas, any kind of specials, I know that you always encourage people to call you up, uh, even if it's just that they want to buy their first ounce of silver ever, that there's no order too small. So um, if you have anything fun going on, please let people know about it. Yeah, let's take one minute. Uh, it's quite frankly dot gold. I, we're a proud sponsor of this program. I love the show. Uh, Melissa listens to the show. I, you know, I have so many people that have uh, gone through the website and that we've helped over the last year or so, and we we're just really proud of that. And like you said, I have no minimum. Uh, I, I I was a soldier when I bought my first uh, gold coin, and I got ripped off. And the uh, the guy on the other end of the line, I called one of those 1-800 numbers because I've always been a fan of talk radio, and he didn't like me because I didn't have more than a few thousand dollars. Well, I don't discriminate. I don't care if you've got 30 bucks, you can give me a call. I want to help you get into metals. Uh, that's what we do. So we were able to not only do direct sales, but if you go to quitefrankly.gold, there's a tab on there that says join Wolfpack, which is our monthly membership program. I highly encourage people to go check that out. We buy your metals for you. Uh, it's affordable. If you think you can't afford precious metals, go to quitefrankly.gold. Uh, click on the link that says join Wolfpack. It'll take you to my site, wolfpack.gold, it, starting at 50 bucks a month, folks. And we even have one for kids. It's called Wolf Cub, 35 bucks a month. We put in fractional silver pieces, silver dollars, uh, pre-1965 coins, uh, stuff from sovereign coins, uh, bullion rounds, uh, things from around the world. And I buy them in bulk because I have nearly 800 members all over the country. We're trying to get to 1,000, so I put in a uh, promo code 1776. You get free constitutional silver just for signing up. Just put in the promo code uh, 1776. And again, that's our Wolfpack program. goes from 50 all the way up to 1,000 plus. Uh, that's a great way to stack and uh, get some variety. And look, we have hundreds of five-star reviews, so go check that out. That's amazing. What's the fun stuff? Oh, the fun stuff? Well, uh, the, lately I've been finding a lot of uh, articles that have to deal that that deal with treasure hunting, and I love these articles. And one of the things that came up with us on Tuesday, just this this week, when I saw that there was a guy who was uh, snorkeling or scuba diving in the, uh, in off the coast of Florida somewhere, and they had found an old wreck, probably Spanish, and inside the wreck there were they they happened upon I don't maybe th- over three hundred thousand dollars worth of gold coins. Now, I understand that there is now this is going to be a little bit more of a uh, uh, of a uh, complex answer because not only are you talking about melt value, but you're also talking about historical value of of any of these these wrecks that have been from the 15th, 16th, 17th century, whatever it is. And I just wanted to know if you came upon a I don't know a sack of 50 coins. In one of these wrecks, you have now 50 gold coins that are not only just 
big and beautiful, but they're also historically important. What are you doing to minimize, to minimize, are you reporting it? Uh, what are you doing to keep it out of <laughs> out of the sight of the Fed? I know this is all hypothetical. 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 Right. Who? I, I hope that you you stumble upon a Spanish treasure tomorrow, but you probably won't. So this is all hypothetical. What are you doing with that stuff? Because to hold it, you want to talk about something that you can do even less with. That, I mean, that's some that's some history right there. I would want to turn it into to land or something as quick as possible. But how do you do it without triggering any red flags? Tell me about what you would do to be oh, discreet. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the first of all, I've heard some horror stories where people were like, well, I, I had the lady that works at my bank. She told me, well, my family, we bought this table, you know, uh, decades ago, and it was always so heavy. And we never could figure out. Then one day, one of the legs broke off, and inside each leg, was $20 gold pieces stacked all the way to the bottom. Wow. And you know what? They called the FBI, and they they lost the gold. They came and got. They picked it up, and they had to do an investigation because, you know, it was pre-1933 gold, so it was probably, uh, you know, illegally stored or whatever from after Franklin Roosevelt's uh, executive order in 1933. I, I don't know what happened, uh, but that was – I hear that. I've heard that more than more than once. Why? You just why would you people? Call, you know the guy that he found under he was digging it on his property and found a coffee can full of pre nineteen thirty three gold coins, probably forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars worth, and he called the police. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, I and mean, that's it's 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 clearly yours if it's on your property. I don't I don't understand that mentality. So if you were treasure hunting and you find a bag of gold coins, um. You might want to con have an attorney. I wouldn't call authorities. I don't know why that would be. Why would you? That's not a law enforcement issue. So don't do that. In my opinion, hypothetically, I'd call an attorney. I'd want to know what my tax implications were. I'd want to find a good dealer to go through that I could trust. And then you want to have them appraised. You don't want to sell them automatically. You want to know what they're worth. You talked about historical value. That's known as numismatic. You might have some numismatic value. You don't have to tell people where you found them. Gold is not traceable. So whether I got South African gold or Mexican gold or gold from uh, Alaska or Russia, it doesn't matter. Gold is gold. Uh, you can melt it. You can reform it. Did you know all the gold in the known world, Frank, before the new world was discovered? You know, technically, I don't think that Columbus discovered it. Let's say they did. But, you know, there's there's claims that Vikings and the Chinese or whatever. We can go into um, lost civilizations, but let's just say for all intents and purposes, it's 1492. At that time, all of the, the, the gold in the known world, all the kingdoms and all the empires, you could fit all the gold in the known world in a six-by-six-foot cube. So the modern age, the Industrial Revolution, all the modern economy, there's built off the gold that was found in the new world, especially in South America, and it opened up a whole new economy. Um, and gold is not traceable. I so find I, that, that's, that's so hard to believe, a six-by-six-foot cube. Yes. Like what? What were? What was all the wealth of uh, of the 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 old kingdoms in, in Europe built upon? Just jewels? What? What? Like I, I don't get it. Land, jewels, right? You it's, and it and gold was such this. It's the commodity of kings. Only the kings had it. Only the only the 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 wealthy, the uh, aristocracy, the ruling elite. But I would think that the the king of France would have more gold than that himself. You know, it, it's just. 
I mean, it's I, rare. Yeah, it's it's even rare. It's even rare today. More steel gets poured in one hour in on on planet Earth. More steel gets poured in one hour than all the gold that's ever been mined in the history of the world. Jeez. It's not a lot that we have available. So it's still still very hard to mine. It's, it's 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 difficult to get out of the ground and it's difficult to refine. But once you have it, you know, again, this is like why I said it's 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 liquid. It's money. And so uh, you could <laughs> there's a lot of scenarios you could when you go back to the original question, which was what would you do? I wouldn't know my tax implications. I wouldn't know what I had. I wouldn't be quick to sell it. I'd put a time frame on it. Um, I, I'm like you, though. Like if I ever hit that that number, you know, do I want to keep the gold or I want to turn it into something like, you know, farmable land or something? Well, that's that's an investment. That's a good idea. I like things. I like real estate. I like, you know, something that produces uh, so I'm a fan of that, but gold is just the medium to, you know, it's to house a little value and why it's why you transition into something else that, that you want. Uh, it's just because it's the, it's nature is money itself. Yeah. And, and of course it's always going to get to the point where there's going to be a paper trail. You find it, you contact your lawyer, you get it appraised, and then you have to make that decision. Am I sitting on this? But do you, at that point, even if you sit on it, you have to report it. You have to report it. Well, that's there's a technical question there. That's why you're going to need a lawyer. You're going to need a tax attorney. Mm-hmm. That you got to call a law firm. I re- recommend uh, Legal Shield. You can go to Charlie Robinson's. Don't get pushed around.com. <laughs> go to, go over there and check that out. That's what you would want to do um, before you made that decision, so you can get access to the best information. But you know, I you definitely don't want to you don't want to get caught on the wrong side of a. Because now you got eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents that are on the way, I know. and they want to know about your Venmo transactions. Yep. So anything for six hundred bucks. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, listen, hey, this, these are the fun questions to ask if we ever stumble upon a nice big pile of Spanish gold. But um, until then, we'll just have to keep our heads on a swivel and do it little by little. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for everything. Uh, I'm sure that this will. You know, I mean, we're going to talk in 2024. There's only a, a little bit left of 2023. But thanks for everything again, man. It's always really a, a wonderful time when you come on. Thank you for having me, Frank. It's an honor, sir. All right. There goes Tony. Quite frankly, dot gold, all powered by Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. If you want some of that personalized, uh, personalized help on the matter and a little bit of insight and um, and some really feasible and practical approaches to something that I know could be um, just as intimidating as, you know, going to Blue Monster Prep and figuring out how the hell you're going to, you know, prepare for one catastrophe or another. There it is. You know what? And it's not always just about, I got to do this because things are coming down. It's just about, you got to do this because you got to be insured. And these are all the little ways that you can insure yourself and that you could um, be a little bit more hands-on with that. This is the way you insure some personal wealth, just like you can insure your food supplies with Blue Monster Prep. All right, it's 8.50. No reason to go on a break right now. I was only supposed to talk with Tony for 15 minutes. Can you imagine that? And then, you know, you bring out a friend and it just keeps going on and on and on. And it's just good. So, all right. Uh, let's go into a little bit of this Alex Jones clip. I think that'd be funny. Because they're talking about Brian Stelter. That's at 42 minutes. Listen to, listen to this. That 
and he was working for the head of CNN that was really in charge of it, it later came out. Uh, CNN currently is not in charge. They've handed it completely over to the Justice Department. Believe oh, damn it. Hold on. Brian Stelter, and you take him way more seriously than I ever did, and I think you're right to. So this is pretty famous clip of you on Brian Stelter. Hell on earth. He wants to run your life. He wants to control every aspect of your life because he knows he is a cowardly, degenerate sack of anti-human trash. I agree, by the way. I agree. Uh, we talk a lot about physiognomy and being able to really assess a face. And Brian Stelter, he, I mean, he's, he's got one of those faces, the eyes. I told you the smile where he it's like an alien smile trying to trying to smile trying to figure out what a human smile is supposed to be like um it is a, a devious demon like person i'm telling you it, it's uh and he's not the only one he's not like like the, the pinnacle there are others like him but um yeah there i i totally get what what jones is talking about I pledge before my heavenly Father that I I, 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 I that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. Look at him, and you know what? He is better than you if you keep letting him run your life. He runs your kids. He runs the schools. He runs the banks. This guy, this spirit, this smiling, leering devil that thinks you can't see what he is. He is your enemy. Period. All the narcissistic devil worshiping filth. I see you, enemy. I see you, enemy. 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 You are my enemy. And I swear total resistance to you with everything I've got. Disingenuous, fake, false, broke back, twisted. A defiler, a betrayer, a backstabber, a devil. You don't think I don't see you, Stelter? I see you. You understand me? <laughs> now listen, it's hilarious. It doesn't. It's just. It's true as well. But it's it's hilarious, and uh, and this is why I personally have enjoyed peeking in on Infowars over the years because hey, you know, it's just a. Uh, that's the kind of levity I like, even though he's obviously in the middle of it right now. I know what you think of me and my family. I see you right back. You understand that? You understand that, Delta? <laughs> I've only watched that several hundred times. Um, and I laugh every time, but I also, there's something to, if Brian Stelter had absolute power, would you and your family survive? Of course not. You wouldn't. You'd be, of course not, and neither would mine. So there's a lot that's true about what you said. How did you perceive that? The rest of us just made fun of him. Now, once they started the censorship and the platforming, remember back then they would deny it. Oh, yeah, we're taking people off air, but it's not censorship. Now they admit, no, it's censorship. We're doing this for your own good. So he was really the face of that, and he was working for the head of CNN that was really in charge of it. It later came out. Uh, CNN currently is not in charge. They've handed it completely over to the Justice Department to quarterback, as Congress re reported a few months ago with the documents. But at the time, Brian Stelter and his mini-me, uh, Oliver Darcy, were going around calling up and harassing my sponsors, taking sponsors away, uh, and they were going around and, and organizing big tech uh, to, to take uh, not just myself, but many other people offline. 
And so he was destroying our free speech. He was taking our sponsors. But it's crazy. I just want to restate. You are not promoting race hatred. You're against race hatred. You never have promoted that, ever. You're not promoting violence. You've never called for violence. And you've never even called for breaking the law. And so that's why there's so much anger there, because I remember the day I did that and a few other clips that went viral. I showed all the stuff he was doing, but then the, the media attacked me and just click, clicked it out of context. But still, it reverberated with people because people were sick of the corporate legacy media. So people say, well, why is he so angry? Well, it's because he's literally trying to take us off air, literally taking our sponsors. I mean, the equivalent of the Vikings a thousand years ago in England pulling up and burning a village down. And so there he is, all sweet and liberal and cackling and laughing, but he's really an agent of anti-American totalitarianism. And so he was the front man of that. And I wanted to just simply say, well, you're right. I see you, I know what you're doing. So people see it out of context and think, why are you being so mean to him? Well, I mean, he's literally trying to destroy my free speech, take me off air and, and put my family on the street. So I'm pissed off at him. Yeah, now, and uh, Oliver Darcy is, is, is part of that. I've done a little bit on Oliver Darcy over there. I mean, you you want these these people are are the ones who act completely obtuse when they are. Oh, well, no, I'm just doing an honest job. I'm sorry if you got caught in the crossfire. And uh, no, no, no. But you know, you know that that kind of you know that Leslie Stahl. Oh, Mr. President, nobody came after you. And you just want to smack them across the face. And they they're doing that because they know. They, they're psychotic, and they know that taking this blasé, nonchalant approach to how they, they, uh, they gin up their crazy, their craziness in other people, and they gin up this, the, these crazy stories and, and how that they are plotting their attack on those that they really want to just, just end forever. They always pair it up with the, this, uh, this dismissive, this dismissive, kind of you know this this uh this demeanor that really for somebody who knows exactly what they're doing and would rather fight somebody one-on-one -on -one, just meet me fairly just be honest about what you want to do to me stop trying to play this oh i'm just being an unbiased journalist type and uh, i'm sorry i'm on to you i think i just followed the facts and here i am for somebody especially like alex jones anybody it's a lot more satisfying to be able to face your accuser and just have a fight, all right? But when you have the, uh, the, the, the perfectly oval faces of someone like a Brian Stelter, just, try, just pretending like, hmm, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. And you really, it makes you want to rip their fucking faces off. Because to go through all this and to see the world for exactly what it is, and to know that the person that really wants to harm you and wants to take you down is not even going to have the dignity of a fight, that they're going to deny it the whole time, that, 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 you have to have a lot of self-control to not blow your lid. Because at that point, with them and their very passive demeanor, you look like the nut. And they're trying to make you look like the nut on top of the fact that they are still trying to destroy you. And I guess it gets to the point where it just doesn't matter what the hell you look like. Uh, show some human emotion. Fuck it. Let people see some raw human emotion versus their cool sociopathic bullshit. And they are dead. You, you look at the, somebody like Brian Stelter in the face. We've done this for years, too. 
okay? I don't have the personal uh, stake in, in the fight like Alex Jones did. I didn't have Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy uh, calling up sponsors of mine. I don't have sponsors. I have an audience that sponsors me, you know? Uh, only re, re, in the last couple of years, Blue Monster Prep and things like that. But uh, it, it's still the lifeblood of this show is always going to be the audience. And I know that that uh, you guys and gals would be immune to someone like Brian Stelter trying to tell you to stop uh, supporting me, which is, you know, one of the things that I'm most grateful for. But you can just see in their faces. Brian Stelter is a an, has an alien quality to him, non-human alien quality to him where he is, it's very, very hard. You can tell there is no real human emotion there. And it is all a farce. And underneath there is a boiling, there's just a a boiling hell of inferiority and rage and no true sense of happiness, none. And then Oliver Darcy on the other hand, uh, on the other end has done such egregious, ridiculous, nonsensical reporting, all very, very focused by his own rage. But again, what is he able to express? Nothing. He has dead eyes. And I think that that is what initially got Alex Jones taken off of Twitter, as they have talked about here. But we, we've known the story before. I think that he called Oliver Darcy like he had rat eyes. Me... My my observation was that Oliver Darcy has dead eyes, where if you were to crop out all of his face except his eyes, it would look like the eyes of a corpse, where if you were digging through the rubble of a collapsed building and the first thing that you uncovered, you, you, you removed one big stone and the first thing you saw was Oliver Darcy's eyes, it, oh, we found another one, this one's dead, until you hear him say, no, no, I'm still alive dead there's no life there there's no there's no the human spark you can just see this in people and there's plenty of republican types there too um uh, i mean especially someone like a ron DeSantis at this point man i don't know i i just didn't uh i remember cheering that guy on for a few years as he's battling with reporters down there in Florida, I'm like, yeah, go get him, Ron. And then all of a sudden he throws down with Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and uh, right after the midterms last time, last go around, and he, and he starts this feeble campaign for the presidency, and suddenly every non-human tick that a person can have is, I, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So I totally understand it is not. Uh, it is not. It is not petty for Alex Jones to go after these people on a surface level because I do think that the surface is really important uh, part of analyzing just what kind of animals they are. One hundred percent. Well, anyway, that was only a small little clip of this. I, I'm hoping that the entire thing is on the roundup tonight. I, hold on. Um, oh, Lauren texted me before. She said, oh, she was, she was probably watching. She said, Aurora and I sang Jingle Bells in the Bath about 50 times. I might cry to that song someday. Yeah, but understood. And that's exactly what my mom had, had said, is that the only way that Jingle Bells, you can cry to that is if there's some sort of a connection to it. Oh, uh, you are my sunshine. I'm going to be destroyed by that song for the rest of my life. 
even to a, a small assault to a smaller degree uh twinkle twinkle little star i'll be destroyed for the rest of my life by that song because that's what we sing to uh uh, you are my sunshine is is a song that she requests every night and also before every nap and when she sings it to us now it's like oh she she puts us to bed dad you have to go to bed now lay us down then she puts a blanket on us oh, close your eyes close your eyes. i got and i have it all on tape too and she sings it that I, that'll I'll, I'll be dead I'll, I'll i'll i will i will feel like oliver darcy's eyes are um, hearing that because it'll just take me back and uh, it'll hollow me out. So trust me, I understand. I understand. Well, um, anywho, anywho, uh, here's the text message from Jay Gulanello. I can't believe you didn't play the Jonas son of a bitch song. Oh, you're right. I should have. Jonas, you son of a bitch. The guy who officially put the dagger through the heart of the MH370 flight mystery saga, at least this aspect of it, because, of course, there really are no answers, definitive answers as to what happened to the plane. But, man, that was one hell of a ride. And I cannot believe that we had the last interview before all of this just flaked away. Had we scheduled Ashton Forbes for an interview tonight, I still would have kept it. Because then at least we could talk about, it'd be a shorter interview, because then we can talk about the newest developments. But if we had Ashton Forbes scheduled for the show on Monday, I'd say, I'm sorry, my man. Is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, was, um, it was really a fantastic week. It really was a fantastic week. And, um, and, and next week it's going to be really really enjoyable as well as now we are just two weeks away from christmas and we're going to really uh really have a good time Stephen jonathan is going to be on the show with us on the 11th we're going to talk about saint nick the elves krampus and i also wanted to ask him i want uh, maybe timothy timothy gordon can come on the second half of that show too i want to ask the question when did christianity be, become recognizably christian you know uh and i'm I'll, i will fill in that question a little bit more on the other side, this is something that I, I might ask a couple of more uh, uh, guests of the future who are Christian and do a lot of uh, work within the faith, regardless of what their what denomination or what 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 uh, part of the spectrum they come from, whether it be Protestant or Catholic, Orthodox. I love to uh, have a lot of questions like that. Timothy Alberino is coming back next week. Um, next uh, Thursday, the fourteenth, I'll be off. But I'm going to be do. I might be doing some streaming from the location that I'm going to, and if we don't have a good connection there, I'll still be doing some filming. You're going to love it. And then next Friday, this Friday, this time next Friday, we'll probably just be getting off the air with Fleckus, our good buddy Austin. Fleckus talks. It'll be Fleckus Friday Christmas miracle. We haven't spoken to Fleckus on the show in what feels like two years, and then after that, it's Christmas week on this show at least. And I think you're going to like what we have in store. All right. So um, for now, I leave you in the hands of the after hours. The weekend roundup, which I think the Tucker and um, and Alex Jones full thing uh, interview is going to be in there. So you'll be able to enjoy that at some point tonight. We'll make sure that it's in there uh, soon. And uh, let me get to the Super Chats to make sure I'm all caught up. 
Let's see. Lorraine loves the coffee. Thank you, Lorraine. Sean Joe, thank you. Lone Yukon, thank you so much. Bright Wheel. Sal Lyon says, looks the same as dead fish that washed up in Texas this past June. Yeah, there's something going on there. What is that all about? Is it solar activity? Is it, uh, is it, is it uh, wind farms? It's crazy, though, whatever it is. Sea Blanche, Witchy Poo says, my winnings from last night's scratching. There you go. I have to release the scratching again right now. But uh, I thank you all so much. Let me go make sure that I, I, got, um, I got to everybody else there, too. Hold on. Release that. Your scratching has been released. Thank you to Stostube. It says, wonderful Friday. Always a pleasure to see Tony and Mama, frankly. Thank you all. And Frank, uh, how about a little extra shout-out to the one and only Jay Brits, just because. Oh, well, Jay Brits and, and Stostube seem to have been in co- uh, competition with each other with who can stop my heart the fastest. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. It's the only reason why we're able to come out here every night. And um, and I will talk to you all soon. On Rockfin, there's a couple of tips. One big tip from Todd Fife says, Merry Christmas. I appreciate you, Todd. I really do. Love you very much, my friend. And thank you for holding it down out there in Rockfin land. This show will be uploaded in its entirety on Rockfin and Rumble and BitChute and across all podcast platforms before the end of the evening. So uh, thank you so much, and I will see you next week. Don't go anywhere after hours starting right after this. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, this film before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters starting with Stostube, Jay Brits, Rob, and Shotzi. So many more of you over there in Pilled Land on QuiteFrankly.tv. The Foxhole, the only place to be for the second half and for all network programming. The exclusive home of the Quite Frankly Network. And I will talk to you guys later. Thank you to, to Todd Fife and to all of our friends around the world. See you Monday. Have a great weekend. sleep with my wife.